guys, this is Brad and Mike from Dallas Geek, and we are back with yet another Know Your Directors. Uh, today, we're gonna be talking about M. Night Shyamalan. I specifically pushed this one because he didn't make our top 10 horror directors list because somebody didn't want to include him. <sighs> to be fair, really only a couple of his movies count as horror. And they're fantastic films. But they're not, his work as a whole isn't enough to be able to call him a horror director and those two did not have enough influence on the genre to make the list as best individual movies for the genre. Sorry, they're good, they just aren't fantastic groundbreaking horror movies. So, I hate him right now. With that, um, the best place to start with M. Night Shyamalan is, has got to be his camera work. For his cinematography, he is a big fan of very calm and slow, still scenes, especially when they are dialogue scenes. Yep. He likes the camera to just sit. He likes the actors to be still and almost to the point where it is pushing the limits of the difference between letting the scene breathe and letting the scene go stagnant. Yep. And that kind of has a lot to do when you're explaining the reception of his movies. A good example of a movie where it crossed the line into letting a scene go stagnant was The Happening. The Happening, because of the lack of intensity that his actors deliver the lines because of the lack of uh, interesting lines that were being delivered, that is where it pushed it into stagnant scenes. But then you have a movie like Unbreakable or a movie like The Sixth Sense where uh, the intensity that the actors were using, the passion in their voices, even when they were being calm and quiet. You even say that in The Village a lot too. The scenes between Joaquin and Bryce Dallas Howard, yep. a lot. Like there's that scene on the porch where they're just sitting on the porch for like 10 minutes talking. It's like a fantastic scene. Well, I mean, even uh, when Bryce Dallas Howard is walking uh, towards the second half of the movie, uh, where she's walking through the woods, mm -hmm. she's very quiet. The scene is quiet. Right. Uh, there's just a, a certain intensity with her facial expressions, with the, her movements. Um, the dialogue between her and Joaquin, while quiet, was very... Uh, intense and precise. Right. It, it had purpose. Right. The scene was given extra purpose because of that. He, Even though the camera work was very pulled back yeah. and still. He doesn't ever waste a scene and he lets his actors deliver the dialogue to deliver the scene. There's not a lot of extra movement going on. There's not a lot of extra background stuff going on. Like he will literally just put who he wants yep. in the scene, in that scene and just be like, all right, go. He's also, uh, for those dialogue heavy scenes, he's not that big of a fan of having a lot going on in the background. No. Uh, whether it's background actors or it is a uh, an, uh, any kind of interesting background, he tends to have his heavy dialogue scenes in some of the most uninteresting looking places. Right, but he does it so that it doesn't take away from what is going on between yes. the actors in terms of the dialogue because it's meant for you to focus in on that specifically. So then another thing about his cinematography are on his intense scenes, he's a big, big fan of using wide angle lenses for close-up shots. 
the Sixth Sense had uh, some great examples of this, where, uh, for example, when Haley Joel Osment's character was in the classroom and he was having a, a bit of a freak out yeah. and the teacher got really close. The teacher and him were both very, very close up with wide lenses yeah. to distort their features, make everything so uh, seem so surreal and out of place. And then uh, for Unbreakable, after the breaking of Mr. Glass's leg, he, he felt so depressed and so failed in his attempt to find a real hero when he was being pushed through uh, on his wheelchair through the comic book store. The lit, uh, camera went very low and wide-angled so that his foot seemed so much bigger yeah. than the rest of his body and everything was being so distorted. Another part of his wide-angle shots, even when it's not meant to distort, he likes to go very low right. to emphasize that there's something wrong and off-kilter with the scene or something about the world. Or the character that he's emphasizing in the scene. Exactly. Um, one thing he also likes to do is he really, really likes that zoom in shot with the with the white to kind of give you that sense of like distortion and there's something really off about what's going on. Yeah, the, the forced perspective uh, of trying to push the character away from the background right. while still giving some weird sense that something's going on with the scene. He also does the same thing except with the zoom out as well. You see that you see that yeah. one a lot in the village. Oh, when, it's just yeah. Bryce, when it's just Bryce Dallas and she's in the woods. You see that one a lot. You see that one a lot in The Happening. Split used that a bit on some of the hallway scenes. Yep. Especially God, the hallway, so damn especially good. some of the hallway scenes towards the end. Uh, he really used that technique to try to give the off-kiltered, uh, very unhinged feel of what, the action that was happening in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. His color palette that he likes to use. Um, the colors of the scene, he likes to be very subdued, while at the same time picking a specific color for the entire movie, and then kind of painting that across every scene. So, uh, for example, you saw in Unbreakable, he liked, uh, he put a blue hue on every scene. Yep. Uh, no matter what the lighting of the scene was, he pushed some kind of blue hue across every color, the skin tones, the shadows, the highlights, everything had some hint of blue and it got emphasized even more on the scenes that were meant to be uh, kind of off kilter or a little just off in general and was lightened, but it was always there. Right. Um, the village had a very orange hue that was pushed across all of its scenes. Right. After Earth had a green hue that was pushed across we its we, scenes. We don't need to talk about After Earth. We try not to talk about yeah. that. Um, the Last Airbender, once again, another we one we try really not to talk about, to talk about. Uh, had a blue hue pushed across a lot of its mm -hmm. scenes. You had uh, The Sixth Sense had a bit of a, an orange-red hue that was pushed. That, I think, was the only one that it, the hue slightly shifted from scene to scene because yeah. I think that was still when he was finding his voice and the aesthetic that he preferred. Right. So it wasn't as obvious as some of his other movies were. Right, right. What else? Um, dialogue and emphasis on the script. Yes, that is one thing. He doesn't necessarily, I don't know if it's that he doesn't trust his actors, but he very much has a vision of like, this is the way that the scene was written, this is the way that I want to see it done, so this is the way we're going to do it. Yeah, he he believes in a very specific vision for his movies. He's kind of like Ridley Scott in that way, where uh, he has planned everything out to such a detail right. that any level of improvising kind of takes away from the vision he had. Right. Uh, which, on the movies where it works, it really works because he had that vision. But it's clear he doesn't have that vision for every movie, not, not as clear and decisive. But he has a vision. Lady in the Water 
was one where it wasn't as clear and you could tell that in some of the scenes, I some did, of the way it's I shot. I did really like that movie though. I'm not saying it was bad, I'm just saying it was clear his vision was, wasn't as strong in right. that movie as some of the others. Sure. The Visit he had a very clear vision for. Uh, in fact, that was actually one of the most redeeming qualities about it and why it was able to redeem him uh, as a director was because he has such a strong vision. I think. That, that's a lot of uh, what you need to know about going into an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yes. the twist. Oh, yes. The he twist. always has a twist. A lot of times it's one you don't see coming. Um, you don't see it on Unbreakable. You don't see it in The Sixth, Sixth Sense. Sense. You uh, sort of see it in Split, Split, but not... So Split has two oh, twists. Oh, God. The last... The second the, twist oh, you don't see coming. Oh, my God. The, the no. first twist you kind of see coming, right. but it's not really that you're trying to hide that twist so much as the manner in which it was presented. presented. Right. That was how, what he was trying to hide. And dang it, you got to go back to John McAvoy on that one. That I think if any other actor had been chosen, James, James, James McAvoy, sorry, James McAvoy. Uh, I think if any other actor was chosen to be the lead on Split other than James McAvoy, I don't think it would have worked as well. No. Because I think M. Night and James were able to find such a strong connection for that movie that that is one of the few times where you can clearly see that M. Night understood his actor and was able to push his actor's limits more than I think even James thought was possible. Yeah. You, you saw that also with Bruce Willis with The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, but this was a whole different level yeah. with uh, James. I was about to say, Bruce and those movies played it very straightforward. It was very dry. McAvoy just like went absolutely off the freaking rails. Now he was incredible, and in fact, I think we really need to do a standalone review of Split. Split tied in with uh, we're easy, not going to say, easy, but tied in easy. with another movie uh, that he did yep. because there is so much that needs to be compared and connected. So, I, dude, I lost my I lost my shit. I, I, I think we will need to do uh, a whole separate video about that. Yeah, for sure. That was definitely one of those twists that you never see coming because you never think in a million years, and then it happened. Like, I'm sorry, what? Anything else you can think of that? needs to be talked about about what to expect when going into an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Don't base what the movie is going to be off the trailer. The biggest problem with M. Night Shyamalan movies is that his vision for the movie is meant to be taken as a whole and trying to split any individual pieces of that into a trailer, you end up missing massive pieces of the story that it takes away from it. Uh, the best examples, two best examples of this were uh, The Village and honestly, I thought split to a certain extent yeah. because his movies have a tendency to span multiple genres in such a subtle way right. from one movie to another. Right, right. And the problem is that while certain scenes within a movie can and make it seem like the movie should be this genre. When you see it as a whole, you find out it's really this genre over here. Like uh, The Village yeah. uh, was put out through the trailers as a, a bit of a horror thriller. Uh, kind of an old school monster movie. Yeah, and yet in reality, it was a romantic drama that happened to have a monster in it, yeah. but it wasn't even about that. So it, it was just a whole different thing. Split uh, as well was yeah. uh, shown more like like a horror movie, but the reality of it was so much more psychological. It wasn't the kind of like horror slasher that it looked like. No. It, it was a uh, it was a true psychological. It was thriller. more. It was more of an unsettling horror psychological. Yeah. Exactly. Same thing with Signs. Signs was billed as the alien movie of the week, and instead it was a super deep, super religious, super when 
you lose your faith and this and that, like where do you turn to kind of film. So, I mean, his movies just do not do well in bite size. You miss out on way too much and you realize how many genres got blended together to make the genre the movie actually became. And it always seems disconnected. In fact, I don't think, other than The Sixth Sense, I don't think there was really any other movie that he's done where the trailer really gave you a good idea about what to expect when you went into the movie. Agreed. Anything else? That covers it pretty well, in all honesty. Well then, if you have any thoughts on In My Shyamalan, if you have a specific one of his movies that is your favorite and you just want to tell us why it's your favorite, uh, please tell us down in the comments below. Uh, be sure to like and share this video. The more people that can see it, the bigger the conversation can get. Yep. So we would love to hear from as many of you as possible. Um, Love's a strong word. I'd love to. I, I, I love talking to everybody out there on the internet. Yeah, because there's always such great deep thought provoking I never said that it was always great. I just said I like talking to them. With that, this is Brad and Mike from Dallas Geeks saying, see ya.